0: We're so glad that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us. You know, I am so incredibly grateful that week in and week out, we get to gather together as a family and worship with one another. I'm excited to continue our series today on prayer, but first I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. I need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. And so right now we pray for ears to hear what you have for us today and hearts to follow. May your presence reign in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have a bit of a confession to tell you today, and that is that I am not a great baker. Now, part of that is because I inherited some pretty strong genes from my mother and were known to skim recipes and eyeball measurements. And if you know much about baking, you know it's a lot about math and measurements, right? And you combine things together to create a chemical change, and then you get these delicious treats. And if you spent any amount of time in the kitchen baking, you know that baking is fairly temperamental. You have to treat those ingredients correctly. You have to add them in the right order, um, which is why I often just avoid baking altogether. Now, my children do like treats, and so one of their favorite treats is something that we call Special K. Now, you might call those Scotcharoos, but my grandma, Hare, called them Special K, and so that's what I'm gonna call them. But you know the treat. It has, like, peanut butter and Rice crispy on the bottom and then, like, chocolate and butterscotch frosting on the top. This has been a family favorite for many years. In fact, I'll never forget, in the mid-'90s, my brother had a football banquet where we had to... It was a potluck, and you were supposed to bring your favorite dish, and this was A.J.'s favorite treat. And so he asked my mom, would she make Special K? And, of course, she said yes. And A.J. told all of his friends, this is the best treat you will ever taste in your entire life. You have got to take some. And so Mom made the treat, and she put it out on the table, and when she went to cut it, they were a little harder... than than they normally were. Um, But she got them cut into squares, and so AJ gathered his friends around. He's like, guys, these are Special K. And they picked them up to take a bite, and nearly lost a tooth. AJ was devastated, my mom was embarrassed, and the treat ended up in the trash. And mom was really confused, because normally if you've had these treats, they have like a nice, soft, chewy texture. So mom goes home, and she like looks at the ingredients, and she's like, I had all the ingredients, what in the world? But as she's rereading the recipe, she realizes that she made a mistake in the order. You make the sugar mixture, and then you remove it from the stove, and then you add peanut butter. And what she did was she added the peanut butter while it was still on the stove, cooking the peanut butter, resulting in a brick-like dessert but ended up in the trash. The order matters. There are actually lots of things in our life where the order matters. And the Lord's Prayer is one of those things. And over the last few weeks, we've been exploring this prayer that Jesus gave us. And what we've discovered is that it is not a formula, but it is a format. And it has an order to it. And we've been going line by line through this prayer. And so just as a little bit of recap, let's review what we've learned so far about the prayer. We begin by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We begin the prayer first with praise and worship. We enter into his gates through worship. And we spend time reminding ourselves who we're talking to, reminding ourselves of his worth and his value, reminding ourselves the names of our God. And so from this place, we put ourselves in a great position to be able to receive from him later. The second part of the prayer that we learned about last week is uh, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the part of the prayer where we actually get to join Jesus in the work that he's interested in doing every day. We take it as such a privilege that we get to partner with God to actually see his kingdom expand here on earth. And so we take time every single day to say, God, what's on your heart? God, what do you want to see happen today? And how can I partner with you? And now today, we're going to look at the next part of the prayer. And that line is, give us this day our daily bread. Now, this is an important part of the prayer because in this part of the prayer, we're actually going to make it known to God what our needs are. And that, we're going to discover, is really important to God. But before we get too far into that, I want us to remember that the order matters. It's actually really tempting in the Lord's Prayer to kind of rush through those first two parts. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, our Father, hallowed be your name. Okay, your kingdom come, your will be. Okay, Lord, let's get to it. Because I think if we're honest... Think about our prayer lives for a moment. So often our prayer lives are, I need, I need, help, help, give, give. I know it's amazing that I know what you pray, but it's just that we, what we all pray. So it's so easy to start from this place of, Lord, these are the things that I need or give me these things. And yet Jesus has given us this prayer in a particular order. And I think we should pay attention to that order because some of us have dry prayer lives. If we want a vibrant prayer life, if we want a prayer life that lasts generation to generation in our families, I think what we need to do is we need to follow the format that Jesus has given us. And so we start from a place of praise, and then we move to a place where we say, Father, what's on your heart? And then we get to our requests. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone who dominated, where it was one-sided, they never asked you a single question? It's miserable, right? And what do you try to do? You try to get out of that conversation as soon as you possibly can. Let's not do that to God. Remember, prayer is having a conversation with our Father. And I think that he has a lot to say to us. Now, the good news is this. He does care about our needs. He does want to know what we need every single day. And that's why he invites us to pray this part of the prayer. Give us this day our daily prayer bread. Now, upon first review, you know, this phrase actually seems kind of simple, right? You know, you think about during Jesus's time and day, there weren't grocery stores and there weren't fast, you know, there weren't fast food restaurants. And so food and water would have been a daily need for people. And so at first glance, we can look at this line and we can say, yeah, well, of course, Jesus is saying that God wants to provide our physical day to day needs. And that is true. But this prayer is actually much deeper and much sweeter. I'm going to break it down into four different parts. And so with that, I'm going to start with the very first word, give. What does the word give mean? Well, according to the dictionary, it means to hand over, to freely transfer the possession of something to someone. And so right here at the beginning, we are instructed to ask our Father to give us things. Now, thankfully, we've already established who our father is because of the order of the prayer. But unfortunately, many of us are still confused about God's character. We're not sure. We're not sure if he's going to withhold. We're not sure if he's stingy. We're not sure if he has our best interest at mind. And so what I think is really interesting is that The Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew 6, and that's the text we've been using through most of this series. But the Lord's Prayer is also found in Luke 11. And in Luke 11, Jesus teaches on the prayer, and then just a little bit further down, he addresses this question of, is God a good giver? Like, can we trust God to give us stuff? And I want to go there now, and I want to read what he says to his disciples. This is what he says in verse 9. So it is with your prayers. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover, knock on heaven's door and it will one day be open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she had asked for an egg? Of course not. Imperfect parents know how to lovingly care for their ch- take care of their children and give them what they need. How much more will the perfectly heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? This is a powerful visual. It is so hard for me to imagine Mike giving our son Tate a snake when he asked for shrimp. It's even more unthinkable for me to imagine Mike giving our daughter Maggie a spider, which is like her arch ne- nemesis, When she asked for a dippy egg, which that's like a soft egg where you can dip your toast in it. Unthinkable. If we, as imperfect parents, actually know how to give our children good things, how much more will our our Heavenly Father be able to give us things? And so we actually need to remind ourselves, our Father is a giver. He is generous. He actually wants to give us what we need every single day. And so my question for us right now is, What do you need? God cares. He cares about every little thing in your life. He cares about what you need. He cares because you're his kid. He cares because you're his kingdom partner. He actually wants to partner with you, and so he wants to give you the tools that you need for every single day. Our Father is a giver. So when I get to praying this part of the prayer, I like to remind myself, this is what Jesus instructed us to do. He instructed us to ask our Father to give. And so when I get to this part, it's like, okay, Father, give me your strength today. Give me your perspective today. Give me your hope today. And I just feel full permission to ask the Father to give me what I need. You can ask Him for what you need, and you can trust that He will give it to you because that is who He is. Okay, the second word in that phrase of give us this day, our daily bread, is us. Which is interesting, because us is a plural pronoun. It means that it's not about me, and it's not about you, but it's about us. And what I find fascinating is that in a world that is kind of obsessed with individualism, narcissism, focus on self, right here, this prayer is helping us to move against the spirit of the world. See, we don't want to go with the spirit of the world. We actually want revelation from Jesus to guide our lives. We are so self-focused. And so when it comes to prayer, if we're real honest, so often our prayer lives revolve around us, revolve around our needs. And what Jesus is saying here is, hey, this is a prayer of us. There are people around us who need things. Jesus is inviting us to care for more than our own needs. When we ask this part of the prayer When we ask in this part of the prayer, we get to pray with and for people who need things. You know, all over the world, there are people who have needs. You know, there are parts of the world where food and water and medicine are in short supply. We should be praying for those people that they have everything that they need. And even in the the developed world, right, there are lots of needs. We should be praying that others around us have everything they need physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally. We don't want to just be people who pray for ourselves and pray for our own needs. We should be committed to praying for the needs of others. We are kingdom representatives. Let's use our position to petition for others. You see, this prayer, it's so deep. It's so rich. There's so many layers. It's not just about give me, give me, give me. It's that, Father, give us, give us. And so when we go to pray this part of the prayer, we should ask our Father to provide for all that none should be. Let's ask for our families and for our friends and for our school and for our work and for our community and for our our nation. Interestingly, right there in Luke 11, Jesus has taught the Lord's Prayer, and then he taught that chunk that I read to you previously about him being a good giver. But he actually talks about the fact that we are to pray for one another, that we are actually invited into this plural prayer. And so I want to take us back to Luke 11, and now I'm in verse 5, And this is an illustration that Jesus gave us about how we can pray for others, how we can actually persistently pray for others. Let's listen to what Jesus says. Then Jesus gave this illustration. Imagine what would happen if you were to go to one of your friends in the middle of the night and pound on his door and shout, Please, do you have some food you can spare? A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly, and I have nothing to serve him. But the friend says, Why are you bothering me? The door's locked and my family and I are all in bed. Do you expect me to get up and give you our food? But listen, because of your shameless impudence, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get up out of his bed and give you all that you need. Such an interesting illustration, such an interesting story. You know, in Jesus' day, uh, people slept in the same bedroom. The family would sleep in the same bedroom and they'd sleep actually on a platform And then below on the ground, their animals would sleep. So if someone came to your house in the middle of the night and knocked on your door, guess what? Everybody's waking up. This was not a good time to go to his friend's house. And yet, what do we see? We see that this friend, with boldness and persistence, he keeps knocking. On behalf of his friend who is hungry, he has nothing to feed him, but he goes and he knocks and he says, Listen, my friend needs food. I know it's not a good time, I know it's inconvenient. But this is what my friend needs, and this is a beautiful picture of how we are invited into persistent prayer for others. You see, the thing with persistence is it actually gets us into the presence because it connects us to the source of all of life. We have nothing to give, but he has something to give, and we can go to him on behalf of others, and we can ask, and in our persistence, God will will grant what we ask for, bread for our friend. What a beautiful picture. And so when we go to pray this part of the prayer, when we go to pray, give us, let's, let's ask for those who have needs around us. Who do you know right now that needs something? When you go to pray this prayer this week, put their name in this spot, lift them up, and then you know what you're going to do? You're going to be alert for how God might ask you to partner with him to bring hope and healing and wholeness into their life. Because God loves to partner with us to actually bring his kingdom. That is the way that this works. What we like to say here is that we are called to extend the miraculous. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. And so when we pray for others, we're looking to be alert for ways that we can partner in his kingdom. You know, in the next couple weeks, uh, some of our missionaries, Jim and Vicki Eckley, are going to be returning to West Africa. And they're taking some water filtration systems that were given by people who listen to God. And provided for a need. And now they're going to take those. And, you know, when we get to this part of the prayer, maybe we could commit to praying for our missionaries who are going and serving in other places in the world. You see, God is looking for kingdom participants. And so when we understand that this part of the prayer is inviting us into something so much deeper and sweeter than just our own needs, it will make us come alive. Jesus wants us to know that this is a prayer of us. This is a plural prayer. Okay, next we're going to explore this day. You know, the thing with those two words, this day, is it tells us so clearly that this is a prayer for today and not tomorrow. You know, I don't know about you, but do you ever find it hard just to be present in the day? I think we might be living in a time and a space where it's more difficult than ever to be present in our day. You know, it's hard for me to focus on today because I'm actually already thinking about tomorrow. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. And I think this is made worse by the fact that I, I tend to be a planner. And so, you know, I'm looking at the calendar and I see what has to get done and I know who needs to go places. And I'm not saying organization is wrong. Some of you could definitely work on your organization skills. I'm just saying. But I will say that one of the downsides of being organized is that when you look ahead and when you see all that has to get done, what happens? You are overwhelmed. You are filled with anxiety. You you are stressed to the hilt. You see, Jesus actually knows that we're going to be prone to anxiety. He knows that we're going to be tempted to worry about tomorrow, today. And so I think that we need to look at what he says about this. We're going to actually be tempted to do something called future trip. What does it mean to future trip? Well, it was a couple of years ago that my mom and I were talking, and I was complaining to her and lamenting, you know, as every good daughter does to their mother when they grow up. It, you know, oh, mom, how am I ever gonna do this? I was, it was gonna be a new season. Our kids were in different schools and different activities, and I looked at the calendar. And I was like, I'm gonna to have to multiply myself. Like, how am I going to do all of these things? I'm one person with one vehicle, you know? And I'm like, how am I going to cook and clean and carpool? And I'm like lamenting and I'm frustrated and my mom is being patient for a while and then she just says to me very clearly, stop future tripping. Right. And I said, huh? She's like, well, future trip. You know, when you're worried about the future before the future has ever even happened, when you're tripping on the present because you keep looking towards the next, she said, just stop that. And I realized in that moment that she was speaking truth to me that so often we are tempted to future trip. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) I have four kids. We're all good. (laughs) Don't you just love that? I love that. This day, the phrase this day, you know what it does? It grounds us. You know what the Bible says? Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in today. And some of us need to hear this, that today is the day that he has made, and what this day does is it grounds us, it roots us to say this day is important this day, Jesus wants to meet my needs. This day, Jesus is going to do with me. I want to go actually to Matthew 6 because that's been our main text. As I said, Jesus actually talks about how he knows we're going to be worried about daily provision. In the same chapter that he teaches on the Lord's Prayer, I mean, he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, he talks really plainly to the disciples because they're anxious and they're, they're worried about things. And what I love that he does here is he actually tells them, he's like, hey, Look around. Do you notice these birds? They live a pretty great life. And how much more do I care for you than these birds? And then he says, hey, look around. Do you see these beautiful flowers? Solomon, in all his glory, was not as beautiful as they are. And they're here today and gone tomorrow. Yet how much more do I care for you? So this is what Jesus' words are to us about our anxiety and our worry in life. Verse 31. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For this is what the unbelievers chased after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Such strong language. Forsake your worries. Powerful and poetic. I'll just go ahead and preach to myself. I'm not going to lie. It's been a really hard week. Forsake your worries. And then I love what Jesus does here. What Jesus does is he actually uses what he's already done, the teaching he's already done in Matthew 6 previously, and he reinforces it. You know, he says to us, hey, Remember, this is your loving Father. He actually already knows everything your bodies require, everything your minds require. He actually knows everything that you already need. Don't forget that. And then he tells us to get our priorities straight, to remember that the order matters. We seek first his kingdom, not our kingdom. We seek first his righteousness, not our righteousness. And then what? And then all things will be added to us abundantly. And then the final instruction is refuse to worry. And listen, this is a work in progress. It is easy to worry, and it's hard to have faith. But Jesus is telling us when we pray this prayer, when we participate in this prayer, when you say the words, this day, what you are actually saying is, today I trust you, Jesus. Today I believe you will have everything I need in this day, in this moment. It is such an incredible and beautiful invitation. Here's a really hard truth but I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to help us in this area. There is only grace for the day. You can take it or you can waste it. There's not grace for tomorrow. There's grace for today. God's empowering grace to do what you cannot believe. God's incredible grace to live the way he wants you to live. And so if we could learn to steward that grace, if we could learn to receive that grace, if we could learn to live in that grace... I believe we will have incredible freedom. You know, one of the hard parts about social media is that you hear all these crazy stories. Like, you hear some good stories, right? But then you hear all these crazy stories, too, about sickness and pain and accidents and things. And then your mind begins to like wonder, like, could that happen to me? And one time, I was reading something about something that had happened to a baby. And it really struck me as a mother. And it kind of bothered me. And later on, I was talking to my mom about it. And I was just like, I read this thing. And now I feel kind of anxious and worried. and. You know, I just said something like, I just can't imagine if that would happen to me. And my mom said something so simple and so profound. She said, you're not supposed to imagine it. You're not supposed to worry about it. What you're supposed to believe is that if something terrible should happen, that in the moment you would have grace for it. Amen. I'm not saying that life is not hard. I'm not saying that it's, not e- that it's easy. I'm saying that the promise is that there is grace for the day. When we say, give us this day, we are asking for the grace for the day. And I believe that Jesus has a beautiful gift for every single one of us. This is a challenge, full disclosure, totally working on this with you. Let's do it together with the Holy Spirit's help. Okay, the last part of the prayer. So we've said, give us this day and now our daily bread. You know, when we think about bread, uh, like when I say like bread, what comes to your mind? Like for most of us, I think it's like the loaf of bread that's pre-sliced that's in our pantry right now. That will last about a week, right? I mean, we're thankful for preservatives in case like you don't make as many sandwiches or have toast as much as you thought, but the truth is our bread isn't like the best bread in the world, right? In other parts of the world, they don't use as many preservatives and they have to bake bread every single day. It's fresh bread, it's hot, it's delicious. And actually what happens to that bread is that after a day, it's actually not that good and it gets thrown out or it gets sold at a massive discount. And so I think this visual, though, of daily bread is more helpful if we think about that fresh bread, not the bread that's hanging out in your pantry that you might need to check for mold later, okay? We're talking about the fresh bread, where you open it up and the steam rises. When Jesus told this uh, this story to, or taught on this, he had a story in mind, and that is the story of the exodus. Now, to remind everybody, in the Old Testament, God delivered the Israelites, his chosen people, from Egypt. They had been enslaved there for 400 years. And he took them out into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. And while they're in the wilderness, they become hungry. And so what do they do? They complain to Moses, who is their leader. And so, you know, they say to Moses, like, At least we had food in Egypt. I mean, they were enslaved and treated terribly, but they were happy they had food. And so Moses goes to God and is like, okay, God, the people are hungry. And what God ends up doing is he responds by feeding them a strange bread-like substance called manna. And manna means, what is it? I love that. Man, huh? Like, I feel like there's a really good, like, meme or something out there that could be drawn up with that, but huh? Huh? What is this stuff? Well, what it was was every day a dew would settle on the ground, and when that dew dried, it would be white and flaky. The people could collect it and they could make bread out of it. But this daily bread came with simple instructions that are so, so important. Every person was supposed to, every family was supposed to take what they needed for each person in their family no more, no less, and only what they needed for the day. If they had extra, At the end of the day, they were supposed to throw it out. Now, of course, can people follow directions? No, No, people cannot follow directions. And so some people think, well, I'm going to get extra, and then I'll have extra food. And so they hoarded extra food. And what happened when they woke up the next morning? They looked inside, and it was rotten, filled with maggots. Because you see, God had daily bread for them. He had fresh bread. It wasn't day old. It wasn't week old. It was fresh bread. And the instructions were, gather what you need for the day. Now listen, I know we'd like to pack a lunchbox that lasts for a month, but that's not how it works. You pack it every single day. And this, we, these were the instructions. Now unfortunately, the Israelites disobeyed on some other things, and they ended up eating manna for 40 years. Manna fell every single day for 40 years, because you see, that was the need that the people of Israel had, and God fulfilled that need by sending daily bread that they were to collect and enjoy. People today, we have needs, don't we? And yet some of us are living off of old bread. We're living off of old stories. We're living off of old testimonies. We're eating stale bread. And what happens when you eat stale bread? You're unsatisfied. It doesn't taste good. Stale bread is sold at a discount. Jesus has fresh bread for you every day, but guess what? You actually have to collect it. You actually have to spend time with him. You actually have to feast with him. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. God has fresh bread for every single one of us. Let's not settle for stale bread. God's bread is available to every single one of us. He wants to feed us, He wants to sustain us. You know, in a culture where self sufficiency and being able to do it on our own is so valued, for some of us, it's gonna take a mindset shift. It's gonna take humility to say, actually, He is my daily bread. He is the one who provides for me. But interestingly, I believe that that wasn't Jesus' only meaning when it came to daily bread. It wasn't just talking about the provision, the physical provisions and emotional. He was talking about a spiritual provision. In John 6, Jesus is talking with the disciples. And the disciples say to him, like, Jesus, if we want to continue your work here, what do we need to do? And Jesus says, well, the very first thing you need to do is you need to believe in me. And the disciples are like, okay, great. But then, you know, have you ever, like, read the Bible and thought to yourself, guys, these guys are gutsy. I would never say that to Jesus. The disciples say to Jesus, like, hey, Moses did this amazing miracle of manna. What are you going to do for us? Okay. And then Jesus is actually going to explain what happened in the desert with manna and Moses. And I'm going to pick up now. This is John 6:32. The truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It's my father who offers bread that comes as a dramatic sign from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. Then his disciples say to him, then please, sir, give us this bread every day, they replied. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Listen. Come every day to me, and you will never be hungry. Believe in me, and you will never be thirsty. Skipping to verse 47, Jesus continues. He says, I speak to you the living truth. Unite your heart to me and believe, and you will experience eternal life. I am the true bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert and died, but standing here before you is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And when you eat this bread, you will never die. I alone and am this living bread that has come to you from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. The living bread I give you is my body, which I will offer as a sacrifice so that all may live. You see, Jesus is our daily bread. He is the one who nourishes us. He is the one who satisfies us and sustains us. And so the invitation today is actually to feast with Jesus, to actually allow him to be our daily bread. He is our source. And when we believe in him, when we receive him, what happens is his life becomes our life. We actually receive eternal life now. And what that means, it's an incredible truth, is that we get to experience heaven now. We get to experience peace and hope and joy and healing and wholeness and freedom in every way because he lives in us and he's coming out of us. And so we want to learn to Feast on Jesus. Now, isn't that like a weird language? Like, Jesus is our bread, we eat him, and then we're going to live forever. What does that mean? How does one eat Jesus? you got to love the Bible. When we believe in him, he comes within us, and he changes us. You see, if you want Jesus to be your daily bread, you have to commune with him. You have to feast with him. You have to spend time with him. You actually have to take the prayer that he's given us, and you have to pray it back to him. You need to read your scriptures. You need to gather together in groups like this and in small groups. You need to worship individually and worship corporately. You need to spend time with the one who created you. That is how you daily enjoy Jesus as your bread. Again, some of us are so dry. We're so hungry. We're so thirsty because, honestly, we're not partaking of him. We're not spending time with him. In the wilderness... Manna was there because there was a physical need. For us, their experience was actually a foreshadowing. It was actually looking into the future when Jesus would come as our Savior and he would satisfy every need in our lives, physical and spiritual and emotional. And today he wants to do that for every single one of us. And so my question to each of us is, what do you need? What do you need today? Do you need wisdom for your business? Do you need hope in your marriage? Do you need freedom in your finances? Do you need reconciliation with a friend? What do you need? He wants to provide in every single way. He is our daily bread, that fresh bread. He provides everything, and he has already given us the greatest gift of all, his son, that makes everything in our life better and fuller. Jesus has given us this beautiful prayer to pray. I want to remind us that the order matters. We want to start from a place of worship and adoration and praise, and then we want to join our hearts with Jesus. We want to say, Jesus, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? How can I partner with you today? And then we pause and we say, give us this day our daily bread. And we remember that our Father is a giver. We remember that this prayer is more than just a prayer of me, that it's a prayer of us, We remember that this day is the day he has made and that daily bread is available for each of us. My prayer this week is that as you pray this prayer, you would know more richly and sweetly that the Father is your provider. And so I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna do some worship. So Holy Spirit, we love you. We're grateful, God, that you are the provider. Thank you for sustaining us. And I pray right now, Jesus, as we take some time to feast with you, to worship you, I pray right now for your presence to fall in this place, for your freedom to come, God, where we've not believed that you're a good father, where we've future tripped, where we've lived in anxiety, Jesus. We just pray for you to come and heal us. We welcome you now as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.